This is the Barbecue Central Radio Show, which is recorded live each Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Barbecue Central Radio Show is being brought to you by The Barbecue Guru, the original creators of automatic temperature control devices, now offering four different models for you to choose from. Rest easy knowing that The Barbecue Guru is controlling your temperature so you can get on with your life. Visit BBQGuru.com or call 800-288-GURU for more information. And by Fred's Music and Tasty Licks BBQ Supply, your online barbecue and grilling superstore. From cookers to grills, wood chips and chunks, and everything in between, also be sure to try the Tasty Licks barbecue brand of rubs and sauces. Check Fred out online at TastyLicksBBQ.com. And by Stephen DeFranco Jewelers. Located in beautiful Willoughby, Ohio, Stephen DeFranco Jewelers is a family-owned and operated business looking to service the great folks of the barbecue and grilling world. Get free shipping and big discounts by mentioning my name and the term Barbecue Brother. Check out their inventory by visiting stephendefranco.com. And by Butcher Barbecue, with 30 years of experience in retail, wholesale, meat markets, food service, and customer service. Using that experience, everything they do and sell at Butcher's Barbecue comes from real-world knowledge. Check out their award-winning spices, sauces, marinades, and injections by visiting ButcherBBQ.com. Always trust your butcher. And by the Barbecue Institute. Take your barbecue to the next level with the Barbecue Institute class. Pitmaster Conrad Teddy Bear Haskins uses his years of catering and restaurant experience combined with food science and smoking secrets to help you understand how to improve your barbecue. Visit BBQInstitute.com and register for classes today. And by Green Mountain Grills. Discover something you'll really, really love. Grilling with pellets. Green Mountain Pellet Grills are the top of the line, best of the best, but not the highest in price. And be sure to check out all of their flavor rubs, sauces, and pellets for the Green Mountain Grill all on their website. Visit GreenMountainGrills.com to peruse the entire product's portfolio. And buy Barbecuer's Delight Wood Pellets, two-thirds oak, one-third flavor wood, giving you that perfect combination of BTU burn and sweet succulent smoke you're looking to get all over your meat. A wide variety of flavors, so please go to the website to check it out and get yours today. Barbecuers Delight, which is bbqrsdelight.com. Hey, what's up? This is JM, host of the Celebrity Grill podcast on iTunes, and you're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Network. All barbecue and grilling all the time. So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Welcome to the Really Big Barbecue Central Show. 
Oh, yeah, this is a show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling, broadcasting live and direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. It is the barbecue capital of the North Coast, whatever that means to you. I'm your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on a Tuesday. Two ways to get in touch with the show if you want to do it, 877-448-0433. You can also email the show, greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. Lots to get to tonight. Typically, I don't have the first opening segment interview, but I do tonight because we have a major announcement. Let's go ahead and uh, race over to the hotline, and I'm going to bring in a special guest, Andy Rabinowitz. Andy, how are you, buddy? Fine. How are you doing? Doing absolutely fabulous. Now, a lot of people are listening online in the chat room, and they're like, who the hell is Andy, and why is he on the show, and what is going on? Because I've said uh, we've got a major announcement coming up here. And here's the bottom line. Uh, Andy has, and I, let me backtrack just for like six seconds. Seven plus years ago, I cut my teeth in the barbecue world with a barbecue forum. It was originally bbq-view.com, and then it kind of changed name-wise to uh, the Barbecue Central Forum, and then the show was spawned off of that. Between the show, between work, and all of this other stuff, the forum was suffering. And basically, I was able to kind of hook up with Andy, and uh, just through the grace of kind of knowing him and and knowing what he does for a living day-to-day, the announcement is this. I have sold the Barbecue Central Forum to Andy, who will be taking over uh, all the day-to-day operations there. So, uh, Andy, for the people that are uh, Centralite Forum dwellers, uh, maybe a little bit of background about yourself and maybe what the the vision is, at least in the short term, for the Barbecue Central Forum. Sure. So, uh, well, first off, I'm honored that you allowed me to, you know, adopt your community. It's a great place, and uh, essentially it's just going to be business as usual there. Um, I got my background in forums about a decade ago when I started my first forum and uh, through just a random set of circumstances uh, ended up acquiring a couple other forums and before I knew it I had a whole little network of sites and it's been just a a lot of fun. I learn about each of the topics and uh, really have a nice time and you know, I, I basically consider my job to be there to support our moderator team and to help foster the community and grow it and uh, you know, I provide my my background, which is in forums, and I plan to learn a lot about barbecue. Well, you definitely have a good base of posts, and I guess the thing that I find unique about my forum, and I guess why wouldn't I, because I'm the one that started it originally, is the membership group there. Wide-ranging, you have uh, noobs like yourself, you have the intermediate knowledge level, and then, of course, all the way up to expert competition cooks. And I guess the thing that I really prided myself most on this particular form was it wasn't niche to a specific region of barbecue or a specific style of barbecue or specific cookers or it wasn't competition geared or backyard geared it was just kind of all inclusive so i think that's kind of a benefit that you'll see as, as you probably start to look at some of the other barbecue forums that are out there um you said business as usual are, are there going to be some software changes um since you are involved in forums day to day do you see like apps and stuff happening for that what are you looking at as far as that's concerned yeah you know in the in the coming weeks we're going to be looking at uh, converting the software from the currently it's running on a free open source software and we're going to buy a commercial script uh the same one that runs on like barbecue brethren and uh some of the other barbecue forums it's called v bulletin and uh you know, I think it, it'll just provide our members with, uh, you know, some more features, um, 
you know, that'll, that'll allow, you know, just make it a nice user experience when they're on the site. And then, uh, we'll also get some free mobile apps set up. So right now I think you can log in and participate using tap a talk, but, uh, we'll get some free ones out there. So you'll be able to install the barbecue central forum app. And then from there participate and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, pretty much it's just going to be, uh, you know, enhanced software, but the, you know, the community and the members are what make it great. And those are all staying the same and the moderating team, uh, everybody seems to be on board and excited to go to the next level. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Andrew Benimitz joining me here on the show of the base of forms that he owns is, is under this uh, site called uh, socialknowledge.net. What are some of the other forms that you're fostering right now? Oh, gosh, I have forums on lots of different topics, everything from, uh, you know, automobile forums and technology forums, uh, quite a few in the RV travel trailer space, some in the marine, uh, you know, sailing, stuff like that, one cooking site. So it's a, it's a hodgepodge of different types of uh, communities, but they're all, they're all a lot of fun, and, you know, each one I get to learn about a, a new topic, which is really uh a unique uh, experience for me. All right, so this has been absolutely a blessing for me, uh, not even in disguise, just flat out, right? And, you know, I, I really appreciate being able to partner with you, uh, you taking the site on and growing it in a way that, you know, I know I wanted to, but just wasn't going to be able to dedicate that time that I know you can, plus the expertise that you have within the forum industry. Uh, so I think this is just kind of a, a match made in heaven. Wanted to be, you know, obviously the first to kind of scoop my own story here with you. Uh, so I'm glad you were able to make time for it. And, uh, you know, we'll just kind of keep checking in from time to time. You know, if there's major announcements or anything that you want to do in relation to that, you know, just give me a shout and we'll get you up here on the show. But otherwise, you know, good luck. And, of course, whatever I can do to continue the seamless transition, I'll do it. Great. Sounds great. I can't wait to uh, meet all the members and move forward. It's going to be fun. All right, Andy. Thanks a lot for coming on. All right. Thank you. There he Bye. is. Andy Rabinowitz. So there's your big news. I had originally started my barbecue chops in forms. It's kind of a unique story in the fact that, you know, my very first smoker was a Weber Smoky Mountain Bullet. So where do you go to find out information about Weber Smoky Mountain Bullets? Virtual Weber Bullet. And me and... Another guy, some of you maybe know, some of you might not know, Larry Wolf, who had originally founded Wolf Rub, then ended up uh, selling that out, but a fantastic cook in his own right. We were, like, yelled at for posting too many questions. I mean, what's a forum for exactly? Am I missing something? You're asking questions on forums, right, so you learn more. And that really inspired me initially to start a forum. It was on horrific software. It wasn't even that open source that I have now in place. And it just steadily kind of grew. Got a lot of great initial core members, which are still there to this day. And it has just kind of grown organically over the last seven years. But look, got to a stagnation point where I wasn't able to give it the time that it probably deserves in order to continually grow it and make it bigger, badder, and better than ever. And just through kind of uh, an initial look, found Andy, who is now going to be, you know, we, we uh, agreed upon the sale of the forum itself. And he'll be taking over. We're starting it right now. It's been going on all day today, the transition. And then we're probably looking at maybe a week or so until everything is off of mine onto his kind of a thing. The software is upgraded and whatnot. But he's got a lot of great things planned for the forum itself. 
Of course, that free technology as far as apps are concerned. So if you have some type of mobile device, you're going to be able to check the form out if you're on the go. If you're out at the pool, at the lake, wherever the case may be, you're not going to be having to be tethered to a computer, laptop, desktop, whatever the case may be. And, yeah, uh, Chris Grove, that's the guy, Wolf Pit. Um, so I'm, I'm very excited to meet up with a guy like Andy who I truly 100% in belief that he is going to be able to foster this thing and take it to the level that I had really – I had set benchmarks earlier before the, the whole radio show started that I was hoping to get the forum to, and I was able to reach those. I was really never able to like monetize the forum that much uh, or at all. But that was a goal, so I know he's got a whole bunch of different models that are set in place for that, so uh, he's going to be able to really grow it and grow the membership and bring in that quality um, membership that forums need to have, and hopefully it'll kind of be that source to go for all things barbecue and grilling related when it comes to forums. So there you go, 877-448-0433, Greg at the BBQ Central Show. Dot com. Uh, quickly, here's what's coming up in about five minutes, Justin McGlawn from Lucky's Q. He won the KCBS regional event that took place in Rockford, Illinois, this past weekend. Uh, 35 past the hour, Stan Hayes, co-founder of Operation Barbecue Relief, will join me. And then the second hour, second week in a row, Barbecue Round Table. Oh, that's right. Chicken Edition. Competition Chicken Edition. And uh, we'll see how that stretches out for the next two weeks. That would be rib and pork. Uh, but very excited to have uh, three of the top chicken cooks in the KCBS coming out tonight to talk chicken. There's your show. Just McGlone coming up next. Hopefully I'm saying that right. All right, uh, gang, let me talk to you about the longest-running sponsor of the Barbecue Central radio show. By the way, with the selling of the Barbecue Forum, uh, Barbecue Central Forum, uh, that has nothing to do with the radio show. That will continue to stay on its own, its own separate entity. I will still be here reveling in my own talking into a microphone. Relax. I'm here. Look, if you've always been looking for automatic pit temperature control devices, you're doing yourself a disservice and your family and friends a disservice if you're looking anywhere else other than uh, the Barbecue Guru. They are the creators of this technology. They have really honed and fine-tuned it into exactly what you need, especially with the latest and greatest technology. Look, if you're going to be getting an automatic pit temperature control device, you're obviously somebody who is into the tech side of things. So you want to make sure that you're on that cutting edge. They have done it with the CyberQ Wi-Fi unit. Things are Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi spreading like hot fire all over the place these days. It's hard to go into malls, libraries, a lot of eateries, whether it be sit-down or fast food styles, that don't have Wi-Fi access. Here's the greatest thing ever. Let's say you're out at a sit-down dinner, but you're barbecuing for the next day. You have a big catering gig that you need to do. So you got to get that stuff on early. The CyberQ Wi-Fi is going to allow you to put those meats on, set that pit temperature control, and then it's just going to go ahead and tend it all the way through the cook while you go to that sit-down dinner and you have your uh, smartphone with you. That's right. You can punch up that web browser it's going to launch, have you dial into, and you're going to be able to check the temperature of your pit. You're going to be able to check the internal temperature of three different meats at the same time. So maybe you're cooking a little fast, maybe you're cooking a little slow. You can increase, you can decrease that pit temperature to make sure that you're at optimal cooking time, no matter what the situation is that you're in. If you have any questions, I urge you with all every fiber of my being to call, if you want to, 800-288-GURU. 
800-288-GURU. Or you can always visit the website, thebbqguru.com. That's thebbqguru.com. You can talk to a Barbecue Bob. You can talk to anybody there that's on the technical side and the sales aspect is going to make sure that you're outfitted with exactly what you need to get you up and running right out of the box. And if you need technical help after the sale, because some of us do, you can call in and they will walk you through step-by-step to lead you exactly to your place of victory when it comes to automatic temperature control. The Barbecue Guru, a breakthrough in barbecue technology, thebbqguru.com, 800-288-GURU. We'll be coming back with Justin McGlawn of Lucky's Q to recap his big Sam's regional win right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. All right, uh, coming up on 14 past the hour. 877-448-0433. Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. Those are the ways to get in touch. Hey, folks, the second of five regional rounds for the Sam's Club Tour took place this past weekend. Rockford, Illinois, my first guest tonight, won it and assures himself a spot in the finals that takes place in Bentonville, Arkansas on October 13th. Let's go ahead and race over to the hotline. Grab pitmaster of Lucky's Q Barbecue team, first time in the show. Justin McLaughlin. Justin, how are you, buddy? I'm doing good tonight. Justin, I appreciate you making time out for the show and uh, coming off a really good, uh, I would imagine, high-flying weekend after uh, taking first place there at the Sam's Club uh, regional event. Uh, you took place in the semi or the uh, or the local round initially, uh, but I guess before we get to any of that competition stuff for the people that might not be as familiar with Lucky's Q and how you got in this whole competition scene, a little background about yourself and how you jumped in. Uh, we started uh, three three years ago and uh, did five contests the first year. And uh, from then, the second year, we did uh, 15 or 18, actually. Wow. And then uh, this last one was our 12th. How many do you have uh, slated for this year? Um, I think we're right on track with 16 to 18, possibly. All right, so you, you kind of run that gamut of, you know, you're not doing the, the 30, 35-plus that, you know, a lot of those teams that are really looking to get KCBS Team of the Year with, um, but you, you kind of right in that median, so, you know, right around 20 or so. Have you ever looked at potentially bumping up into that, you know, top-tier number of competitions, or is that something that doesn't really interest you and you got other things going on like life and jobs? <laughs> yeah, life, life and jobs does get in the way. <laughs> Funny how that happens. Um, yeah, uh, my work is kind of hard. I have to be uh, around certain weekends, so. Can't get out there and do it all the time. Justin McGlawn, uh, out uh, talking to me on the show here, Lucky's Q Pitmaster. Um, all right, so for the people that don't know, you took a fourth overall at the American Royal Invitational last year with only one grand championship underneath your belt. You took a reserve 
at that really big Las Vegas competition this spring earlier in the year. Now you have that win in the regional uh, round of Sam's Club this past weekend. Uh, would you say at all that you perhaps have a knack for coming up big in these style events? <laughs> Uh, a friend, a friend of mine told me that too. Um, yeah, we seem to do well in the bigger contests. Just, uh, just luck, or do you think that? Yeah, are, are you making some type of a specific adjustment between the bigger contests and you know ones that I guess would be perceived as either regional or or more local? Uh, I think it's uh, quality of meat. Uh, we've been uh, buying a lot more. Um, what do you want to say? More racks of ribs, more briskets, search through more. So are you are you cooking more meat or are you I, cooking like better quality meat? Better quality by far. All right. So uh, this last weekend we went through eighteen racks of ribs, I believe. Eighteen eighteen racks of ribs to find the turn in bones? Yeah, and there was two bone, two racks that I wanted. <laughs> so, uh, what are you doing with all that food otherwise? Because there's people starving in Japan. <laughs> I I cater on the side, so it gets used up. Gotcha. All right. So uh, now, what kind of a this is going to be one of my lead-in questions here? But I'll go ahead and ask you right now, since you were cooking 18 racks of ribs, what type of a, a cooker are you using? I'm uh, not necessarily cooking. I'm going through to get the ones I want to cook. Oh, okay, good. So, and what uh, what kind of a cooker are you using? I cook on a stump stretch. Okay. Is that one of the offset styles? No, that's a uh, gravity feed. Ah, gotcha. All right. So those are, uh, I've seen those. Uh, very nice cookers. Uh, have you always used the stumps, or is that something you've graduated up into the longer that the uh, competition has gone on? I started on a uh, home-built offset with a WSM. And uh, I wanted to sleep at night, so that seems to be like the uh, whole majority of the thing for guys once they get into it is sleep. All of a sudden, becomes some type of a want and a need as they get more and more into the amount of competitions they do during the course of the year. So let's go ahead and kind of recap the win a little bit, and we'll get into the specific categories here in a second. But you know, just on the whole, how do you think the cook went for you, and was there any type of you know anything out of the ordinary that you had to contend with? The cook went well. I changed things up a little bit. I, I trimmed my chicken on Friday, and normally I do not do that at a contest. But um, I, I put them in the fridge, and the skin dried out. And uh, I was a little worried about that. What? But overall, I guess it went well. So why does uh, why does dry skin worry you exactly? Uh, it turned leathery on me, kind of. Uh, I was worried about bite through appearance. Other than that, no weather issues, no like drunk fans coming around trying to get into Lucky's <laughs> Q's uh, mobile home or anything like that. No, it was uh, it was plenty warm, and uh, that stump being black, it, you got to keep it shaded, otherwise it likes to get hot. Yeah, I would imagine. So let's go ahead and, and take that chicken aside from. You know, the fact that you had prepped it the night before and it kind of had a leathery look to the skin, you know, once it was off the cooker and you had it looking the way you wanted to, uh, you end up getting a 14th place finish overall, so you don't get a, a verbal call at the awards. Did you think that you were just, like, on the cusp 
of making it? Were you not really happy with the, the chicken turn in? Were you really worried about it? Where were you at with that? I honestly thought our chicken tanked because <laughs> um, <laughs> we were t- tasting the pizzas afterwards. And they uh, had a uh, uh, about three out of four with skin would bite through. And the other one wouldn't at all. Uh, how many pieces? So, well, we're of, a little nervous about that. How many pieces of chicken are you typically turning in at a contest? I'm typically turning in anywhere from six to ten. Okay, so whatever kind of fills the box and how big they are. Yes, how it depends how big they are. All right, so fourteenth overall, you don't get the call. So, I mean, I would imagine as a competitor, you would like to have at least some kind of a call to kind of build that mental momentum going into the other three categories. Oh, yeah, definitely. I was getting a little down on that because chicken's been strong for us this year. All right, so you move on to ribs. Uh, so you go right from not hearing your name all the way to taking first in the ribs category. Um, did you think that the ribs you turned in uh, this past Saturday were first-place ribs? Uh, they were the best we've cooked all year. Wow. And uh, you can tell when the wife bites into them and she doesn't talk that they're good. The, the no communication is the best communication. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you get first place ribs there. Uh, we don't know where chicken's at, and then you come back with pork. And again, a no call. Now, credit to you, credit or not, consistent, 14th, just like chicken, overall with the pork. Uh, where did you think the pork came out that day? Uh, it's been the same we've been cooking all year. It turned out really good, and that's been our another strong category all year. And uh, um, I knew at a contest like this that you could have still have a really high score and not be in the top ten, so I wasn't too worried about pork. Uh, have, have you found at all that perhaps the judges' palates might be changing as far as flavor profiles are looking for in pork um, or, or not so much? Um, I'd just say we've been going a little spicier than what I have done in the past, and it's done really well for us. So you stick with what's working, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so we get to the last uh, category. Uh, you get to brisket. Uh, I'm sorry, we're talking with Justin McGlawn, Lucky Q's, uh, Lucky's Q Pitmaster. Uh, brisket, you get third overall. So, you know, you didn't win it like ribs, but top three overall is huge. So you have, uh, well, I don't want to blow my wad here in just a second but how, you know how did the brisket uh, go for you and are you somebody that's using a uh, a prime brisket or uh, like a wagyu brisket you just use uh, regular choice i took one prime and one uh, wagyu uh the primes usually their wagyus are better by far do you ever turn in a mix or is it always going to be one wagyu turn in or one prime turn in as a lot of times the point um, will be from the prime and the spice will be from the wagyu. All right, so we get done with the calls. Uh, you know, as those categories are coming in, you know, were you keeping tabs at least mentally on some of the other teams getting calls? Because I would have to imagine that you probably were under the impression that True Bud was pretty much up there to possibly win it as well. Yeah, I believe TrueBud had three calls, and uh, I thought they were up there quite a ways. But uh, Troy, he uh, he tells the the top score sometimes uh, the what they the points wise. I got you. And I think I was one seventy six or something in ribs, so that, that that lets you know that you're up there a ways. 
Now, when you have a cook that nets you two calls, you know, the first and the third ribs and brisket, respectively, uh, one being obviously that win in the in the uh, ribs category, and then you have two no, uh, no calls. As a competitor, do you think that the two no calls are just outside of the top ten most of the time, or with this kind of talent at an event like this, do you think that you just tanked off altogether and, and you might be sucking hind tit? That's what worried me at this contest because uh, you can't slack off at all, and uh, I guess if you got a low low category, and that that could that could cost you the contest, I guess. So when your name is called overall grand champion, you know, what are the emotions like for you guys? It's it was crazy. Um, wife, my wife looked at me and she punched me in the stomach twice. I think. <laughs> and, Thanks. <laughs> yeah, uh, we. Uh, it was it was crazy. It was uh, it still hasn't set in. I don't think. Now let me ask you this: uh, We're talking with Justin McGlone from Lucky's Q Pit, uh, from Lucky's Q Barbecue team. You know, on the opposite end of your spectrum is a guy that I hold in very high regard. I've seen personally had on the show a bunch of times. Current team of the year of KCBS, Bob McGee. Had a great showing in the local qualifier here in Canton, and I can attest to that personally because I tasted all of his turn-ins. He took a reserve there to move on to Rockford. And then one of the worst things that can happen to a team at a contest, you miss that turn-in window, uh, which is what happened to them. Uh, The brisket did DQ'd, effectively eliminating their chances of making a top-ten move to the finals. And they didn't have the best cook when you look at results, but who knows where that brisket would have scored. Has missing a turn ever uh, turn in window ever happened to you guys at a competition? And like, it, how, how does that happen? It's it, it's funny that you say that because this weekend we we were the closest we've ever been. Uh, I think we had maybe forty five seconds left for uh, I think it was pork turning, <laughs> and uh, that that for me is too close for comfort. Uh, I know other people like to push closer, uh, not me. So for the people that don't know, I mean, you have five minutes ahead of the top of the hour, five minutes past. I yep. guess once you have everything, is it is it just come down to splitting the proverbial hairs to potentially be late like that? It is a matter of appearance to me. I mean, the more time I spend on appearance, the more uh, the, the later I'm going to be. And if I got a really good product, I'll spend more time. All right, so you're moving on to the finals in Bentonville, now roughly two months out from now. How many events do you have planned in between now and then? <laughs> we have probably four, I think. Four, all right. Yeah. Justin McGlone joining me here on the show. Uh, would you prefer to have the finals sooner rather than later, or is there really no momentum that one can build from you know one contest to the next like this? I would like it to be this weekend. I'm cooking really well right now. Uh, it's I don't know if it's just the time of year or everything like that, but um, yeah, it seems like later in the fall you get kind of burned out maybe. Plus, a, you know, a lot of other big events going on in October. It must be local media trying to get a hold of you, right? <laughs> yeah, I got a phone ringing on me. <laughs> Must be uh, local Channel Three trying to get you for an interview. They heard you on the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Actually, I'm on call for the my job right now, and they're trying to get a hold of me for something. Oh, do we do we need to uh, cut short so you can get that? No, not a big deal. Not a big deal. All right. So uh, now, look. Uh, unrelated to any of this talk we have been having tonight, just uh, there is this point, undeniable trend that of all places, 
on God's Green Earth, Iowa, is pumping out some of the best barbecue competition cooking teams anywhere on the face of the earth. You know, I've asked many of these Iowa teams that have been on here, you know, is there some type of secret in the water? Is it the corn? Uh, perhaps maybe you can finally shed some light on what is going on in the world of competition barbecue in Iowa. Um, I believe it's a strong competition we got. Everyone's striving to beat each other and uh, take a step up above the other person. And uh, and plus, there's some good classes here in Iowa. Um, Brian and Joe put on a really good class this spring and a couple other ones. And it's just the, the competition, I believe. Are you a believer in, in taking competition cooking classes? Have you taken them before? I took, uh, taken, I guess, uh, Scotty Johnson's... Uh, Kansas Suck Chicago mm-hmm. class. Yep. And I took uh, Joe and Ryan's um, corn fed cooking class because they're good friends of mine. So, got to support your buddies. Uh, where are you going to be at next, yeah. Justin? Where are you going to be competing at next? Well, this weekend we're going to Rockford, uh, or Rockford, uh, Rochester, Minnesota. And uh, we're going to go compete against pretty much the same type of group we had in Rockford. So, We'll see how that turns out. Well, you know, I don't know how big of a fan of the show you are, Justin, but you would happen to know from anybody else that's been on the show previous to going into competing for uh, the weekend upcoming, we might as well pretty much chalk this one up as another grand championship. People show up here on the show, they win automatically the following weekend. I, I can't explain it myself. It's the show Karma, so you now have it. It attaches to you going on. Uh, so it should just be a walk in the park. Um, but look, Yeah, uh, it's going to be. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, <laughs> Justin McClellan is the pit master of Lucky's Q. Uh, they are moving on to the final round of the Sam's Club Tour this October after winning the regional qualifier this past weekend in Rockford, Illinois. And you can check them out if you're in uh, Rochester, Minnesota, this upcoming weekend. Justin, appreciate the time tonight. Thanks for doing it. All right, thanks, Greg. You got it. There he is, Justin McClellan. Lucky's Q. Now go ahead and uh, call work. Don't get in trouble. Don't get in trouble on my account. <laughs> Look, I mean, really, what is going on? And when was, if we're all being honest with each other, when was the last time in the last three or four years that uh, you heard Iowa being a barbecue hotbed? All right, uh, quick note, uh, if you missed it, this past Thursday, I was a guest on uh, the Sam Livecast. A lot of you people hate Sam. I like Sam. And we talked about, and here's why you want to go back and watch the show. One, because I'm on it right about 20 minutes in. And we talked some grilling 101. Uh, we talk about some chimney starters, a lot of stuff that we already know about, right? And then uh, we got into a few other items, but... What you really will find entertaining is they were doing grilling week. He was cooking on a big green egg. And when I was on, they were doing a whole grilled trout. So you get to see, and you know, one of the claims that Sam has on his show is it's uncut, it's unedited, it's uncensored. So in essence, if they fail, you get to see the fail happening live on the Internet. And then it's also recorded and put up on YouTube on their homepage, thesamlivecast.com. Well... While the end product might have been edible, fire management was probably not on his high skill set list. Uh, It caught pretty much a lot of fire, and 
Somebody needs to go out and help Sam and learn him that you keep the top down when you're cooking with the Big Green Egg. Burp it when you open it. Keep the top down. That's how it's made to work. But a lot of fire, a lot of hilarity. But as always, a lot of good time, and I appreciate uh, Sam having me on his show because it's way more popular than my show. Um, We did talk about that Michael McDiarmid new way of cooking steak, which I tried uh, a week ago tomorrow after we had Michael on this show Tuesday last week, and I tried it. We went to, uh, I went to the steak place, got two steaks, cooked them uh, right from the refrigerator onto the grill at 350, uh, flipped after seven minutes, and then cooked to an internal temperature of 142. I have to admit, it was a phenomenal steak. I have to admit, there was probably a little bit more moisture than the way I typically do it, and the color was very good from top to bottom. You might want to give it a try. Go back, get the archive of the show, and take it from there. Patio Daddio, if you didn't hear it, um, if you didn't hear it, I sold the Barbecue Central Forum. I know Patio Daddio is going to like that specifically. Anyway, um, I also want to mention that freaking Three Eyes Barbecue Team won their seventh grand championship this past weekend. So they're automatically into the Jack Daniels issue. I mean, if there's a hotter team in competition barbecue right now, I don't know who it is. It's got to be them. And only them. Bottle it, whatever it is, guys. Bottle it. Dial it. That's what Pitbull says. Uh, Look, as many of you know, I also have a pellet cooker. Finally got one from uh, the Gorilla folks. And the first thing I thought of was barbecuers delight. Why? Widely considered to be the pellet resource for uh, pellet-fired cookers. For cookers that aren't pellet-fired, I do have a kettle grill. I do have gas grills. I do have Weber Smoky Mountain cookers. If I don't want to use chunks in the Weber Smoky Mountain or in the kettle, I'll get a cast-iron pot, which is an option that you can buy at Barbecuers Delight, and I'll put about two-thirds of a cup of wood pellets in there, and I'll put it in the in the Weber Smoky Mountain, or I'll put it in the kettle grill, and I'll get my smoke that way. Uh, pellets are a lot more dense than traditional wood style, so they burn longer. Uh, that smoke is more intense, and it really gives you that intense smoke flavor that you're looking for. However, you know when it's consuming, when it's burning down, it's almost like 99% efficient. It's so dry... It leaves so little ash that you can use a whole bunch of it and not have all of this huge amount of ash that you would normally see from charcoal briquettes or traditional wood bricks and blocks and stuff like that. Uh, Really the way to go. And since these things have been processed from sawdust by pressure which generates heat, any contaminants present in the wood are eliminated. This produces a sterile smoking wood product of consistent quality, and since pellets are easy to use... And you don't have to soak them in water prior to use. They're easy to blend for wood flavors. And you can make mix and match consistent flavors all the way around every single time. So, here's what you want to do. You go to Barbecuers Delight, bbqrsdelight.com. And you get some flavor packs. You get 20-pound bags. You get 40-pound bags. If you want to order by the pallet, just send Candy an email. She will hook you up. But you got to get the Barbecuers Delight Wood Pellets, the only brand of pellets that I endorse on this show right now. BBQRS Delight. That's BBQRSDelight.com. 
And we will come back with Stan Hayes. We're going to be talking some Operation Barbecue Relief. They're up for a classy award. Classy. Like this show. You are listening to the Barbecue Central Show right here on the Barbecue Central Radio Network. Get in the smoke. Call 877-448-0433 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rampy. Big B, All right, uh, coming back in. 37 past the hour. 877-448-0433. Greg at the BBQ Central Show.com. Those are two ways to get in touch with me if you want to do it. Thanks again to Justin McGlon from Lucky's Q talking about the Rockford event this past week. All right, uh, my next guest, one of the co-founders of Operation Barbecue Relief. They are an organization that is there to help feed people in need when natural disasters hit across the country. They have recently uh, won a portion of leading up to a potential victory of a classy award for their efforts. And here to talk a bit about it and their work and their vision, co-founder Stan Hayes joining me here on the show. Stan, how are you, buddy? Doing good, Greg. Can you hear me? I can absolutely hear you, and Stan, I appreciate you making time for the show here tonight. Um, maybe before we actually get into the, the barbecue uh, relief website and stuff, a little background about yourself and your relationship with barbecue. Well, I have been a backyard barbecue guy, you know, for years, and probably about five years ago, um, decided to go out and see what it was like to uh, compete uh, went out with a good friend of mine, Jeff Stith, and sort of uh, um, was his pit helper for a while. And that turned into, you know, one or two times turned into about mm, three years of going out and helping them when I could. Um, uh, about a, Well, last year, my wife and I decided to uh, start our own team, County Line Smokers. And uh, we did seven contests last year. Um, and then we've done, I think, five so far this year. And uh, you know, it's a family affair for us. Um, the kids come out and the kids do the um, kids' cues and everything. And so, you know, I, that's how I really got involved. Uh, barbecue was, I never knew I wanted to compete until I went to a competition. So um, from there, it's just grown. I've uh, got to meet some great people out there. And, uh, you know, like everybody says uh, that's out there, barbecue is a huge family. And, uh, um, we're out there having a great time. Stan Hayes joining me so. here on the show, co-founder of Operation Barbecue Relief, the website. Uh, spell it out, Operation, then BBQ and Relief.org if you want to check that out. Um, Stan, what sparked the forming of Operation Barbecue Relief? Uh, you know, um, my wife says I never give her any credit for anything. So I, I, I have to say that um, it, it, the morning after the Joplin tornado, Hit. It was a Monday. It hit on Sunday afternoon. Monday morning, as I was getting ready to head to the office, my wife got up and she's not a morning person. Said, "You got to do something." And I was like, "What do you mean?" She goes, "You got to go to Joplin. You got to get the guys and go do something." And I was thinking that, but you know, I didn't know what. 
And so as I started driving to the office, I called Jeff Stith and said, hey, what do you think? And he's like, I'm thinking the exact same thing. And so we just sort of divided. I mean, I said, I will find a place to get set up and, you know, start working logistics. And you, you find us some food to cook and get the word out to the barbecue community. We're going and let's go, let's go do this. Um, and that's really what started it. Um, it was an idea thrown on Facebook, made some phone calls, got some meat, got some promises and got some people that said they would go. And, uh, we thought maybe in a week we would serve, you know, five, 6,000 meals. And it just sort of mushroomed and out of control almost to the point where we served 5,000 our first full lunch that wow. that Wednesday after we were, you know, after we arrived. Did you, and, uh, after the Joplin event, did you think that this was going to be turning into something that would be a long-term or did you think that it was just going to be kind of a one-off thing? No, actually, we thought before we even left Joplin, we started making plans um, to solidify this into a nonprofit. Um, we, we found that we really had something um, that we really needed to move with that, you know, as good as the Salvation Army can be and their, their resources and the Red Cross, the fact is, is that there was a void there. Um, you know, we were the Salvation Army's primary, you know, you know, food supply for the first five days down there. Wow. So... Uh, I, I would say that the, the urging was by many people while we were down there that we needed to continue, and we all agreed. Stan Hayes joining me here on the show. Again, OperationBBQRelief.org is the website. So just over a year old now, how many states have you been in? How much food have you cooked and served? Um, we have been in nine states now, um, so eight additional since Joplin. We have done somewhere around 154 to 155,000 meals. Uh, I was trying to go through everything today, uh, putting together, a, you know, sort of um, the rundown. Um, so we have it when people ask. We're somewhere, we're figuring about between 250 and 275 volunteers that have come out and helped. And that's the ones that we know that came out and helped. Um, over the, these nine events. Um, obviously, Joplin was the biggest one, um, 120,000 meals, um, and uh, wow. between 175 and 200, you know, volunteers while we were down there. You know, between all of the different tours that you've done across these nine states now, have you ever had any trouble getting people to help in the areas that you've gone to service? Uh, no, not really. Um, between different barbecue associations, uh, um, you know, the, the Great Lakes guys really came through in Michigan, um, you know, earlier this year, and they actually, they, they contacted us wanting to, wanting to help. Um, we're finding more and more of that, you know, we've got that. Um, also, um, the Rocky Mountain Barbecue Association out in Colorado, it was a little sticky, you know, trying to go out to a um, fire own area with cookers it eventually worked out with some grills and stuff but you know um, we're still finding our way sometimes uh, um, we're not always going to be welcome in every disaster why you got a bunch uh, of people out there that want to help and you know so the, you're not gonna it's not that easy now it the, the big one was the the the, the, the perception 
of letting a bunch of barbecue guys with smokers and everything come into the middle of a into a middle of a wildfire area and letting us cook. Even if we were doing it on with propane and such, um, the perception was such that they really didn't uh, um, think it was a good idea. <laughs> so, um, but we were told no um, last uh, year during the Texas wildfires in Central Texas that um, absolutely it didn't matter what we, you know unless we were cooking in an oven, we weren't welcome basically. So. Um, but since then, we you know we've started even you know putting that word out there. We actually had a commercial kitchen offered up in Colorado that we were actually looking at before they said grills would be okay um, as long as they were propane. Wow, Stan Hayes joining me here on the show. Um, Operation Barbecue Relief, so while short in existence, has not gone unnoticed by folks in the philanthropy world. Uh, the organization has moved into the final round of a potentially receiving a Classy Award. So if you could tell us a little bit about Classy and how that voting works out for you guys. Yeah, so so Classy Award, uh, it's an organization called Stay Classy, started um, these awards for philanthropy and nonprofits um, as a way to help showcase, you know, um, the good that's done out there. And um, uh, this is their fourth year of doing it. Um, there was over 2,400 uh, nominations. Um, anybody can go to their website and nominate a um, an organization for it. We were nominated, and from that, they chose 360-some um, in different categories. And, and so we were up for best um, new nonprofit and disaster relief and international aid. Um we ended up winning the Midwest Regional for Disaster Relief and International Aid, and we're one of four finalists um, across the country in that in that category. Um, all the other three are, I mean, uh, when you read about them, they, they do some amazing things. Uh, you know, Food for the Poor is a 30-year-old organization just now getting this kind of recognition, and we're a one-year organization. They've raised 900, like 900 million in 30 years, you know. We might have raised forty thousand if you include the donations of food and goods that we've received. So there's a big disparity between some of these organizations. We are the only one that's a true disaster relief. The other one, the other three, are more international aid organizations. So you know, on the whole, let's look into the future. Let's say you win this. You know, how big of a deal would it be for that organ for the organization to to win this class award? Uh, you know. I think it, it it just it just shows you know first of all that the barbecue community you know has come together and has done something amazing. Um, I, it's not us. It's not me, Jeff, or Will, the co-founders. It's the volunteers that have made this organization great. And so, in one year, we've we've been able to do that. We're hoping with you know additional media attention um, and and some of the. The benefits from being out there and and uh, hopefully winning it, um, we'll get more volunteers, more people to go to our website and um, sign up to volunteer, and obviously uh, more financial um, gifts. Getting hopefully into the larger, um, you know, grants and things like that that can help uh, the organization grow. Um, we are the only organization, you know, of the four that does not have an employee. That is a 100% volunteer-based. And, you know, it's something that I know we're all proud of, that we're able to do what we've done from that. 
Dan Hayes joining me here on the show. Uh, Operation BBQ Relief org is the website you know like any good foundation you establish yourself you look to grow and part of that putting a board in place and we talk about a certain board on this show from time to time uh, but i understand <laughs> that operation barbecue relief has uh, recently named the board and can you give us any info inside of that and, and what do you think a board should do in order to be successful and like a cohesive unit well uh, you know <laughs> You know, first, first off, we, we uh, went out and we selected people and appointed people to the board um, based upon their willingness to be involved. And some of that is the past performance. I mean, that they've been involved since Joplin. Um, some of them are new guys that came along that just have an expertise in an area. So, for instance, Shane Petzl of Moo Cow Barbecue uh, Competition Team is the president of the board. Um, Mark Matthews is um, the vice president. He's with Funny Farm Barbecue. Not every one of these guys is on a barbecue team, but I think I put them down there. I think there's only a couple that really you can't put back, um, maybe just one, to a barbecue team. Um, You know, as far as a cohesive group and what they should do, you know, we're trying to give this group autonomy to let Jeff, Will, and I um, do a little bit more of you know specialized project type stuff. I'd like to work more on the fundraising and the grant side, looking for larger opportunities, and let these guys run the day to day you know operations of the organization and start building you know some some you know teams some camaraderie in that group to continue on the mission that we've started here and really you know take from three people to 11 people and be able to expand that work that we've done in such a short amount of time. Stan Hayes joining me here on the show. Uh, Stan, we got like a minute and a half left, so kind of a, a tight question for the answer that could probably be, but you know, looking forward to your year plus in, where do you see Operation Barbecue Relief in five years? Where would you like to see it? I'd like to see in five years, I'd like to see that, you know, um, we do have, you know, a staff person or two in place to be able to do some of the, the little work that we're all doing today. Um, I would like to see that we're financially stable enough that, you know, every time a disaster occurs, it's not we're relying on the money from coming in to be able to respond. Mm-hmm. We're just helping backfill the money that we, we spend as we go out. You know, right now, every every disaster we do, we're relying on people giving at the time because as a small organization, we don't have these, you know, these big bank accounts built up of any kind of money. And so that's where I hope we're at. I hope that we don't have to turn something down because we don't have the money or we don't have the resources. Um, right now, we're probably more selective than we will be in five years. Hopefully in five years, we're able to do more. Stan Hayes is uh, one of the co-founders of Operation Barbecue Relief. Again, the website, operationbbqrelief.org. Stan, I appreciate you coming on tonight and talking about it, and good luck with those classy awards, and uh, we'll do it again soon. Thank you very much. Hey, thank you, Greg. You got it. There he is, Stan Hayes, co-founder, operationbbqrelief.org. Um, like some of the people were saying in the chat room, if, it's, if it's, this isn't an organization that you're helping out, I mean, it's barbecue-related. And they're really doing the work of the good. So, you know, if you have some extra funds, you like to help their bank account out, I would suggest doing that. OperationBBQRelief.org. All right, gang, 
great news with the $17 billion that I got from the sale of the Barbecue Central Forum. Just kidding. But I did make an undisclosed amount of money, numbering in the tens of dollars. I where so where is the first stop for me? Not jewelry guy. I mean, a little bit. You know, got my grandfather's ring, got the wedding ring, got the uh, Italian gold chain to wrap out the. Uh, you know, you know. So where did I go? You're damn right. I went to Stephen DeFranco Jewelers. Somebody's getting a new watch. Me. A, another Bolova. No. Nay, I said. It is a it is a Bolova, but it's not the Accutron, the top of the line that I already have. This is going to be a precisionist watch. I will have it on display next week. Here's, here's, here's the great thing about dealing with Steve. So the prices are great. Uh, between the retail or, or what normal people would pay for the precisionist watch... And my uh, Accutron watch, I will now have two prices for less than the price of one. So that's number one. The savings are fantastic. You're dealing with a guy who's uh, into barbecue and grilling, who supports this show. Uh, Emmy award-winning producers of barbecue TV shows have already done business with Steve DeFranco. Members of the chat room have already done business with Steve DeFranco. I am now on my second watch from Steve, but here's the great thing. Steve can actually pimp the watch out a little bit more, and I'm going to be able to show it to you. But let me try and verbally explain to you the succulents that I'll be enjoying starting tomorrow. Uh, the watch is all titanium. It's nice and shiny. But it's kind of a squarish head. And then in the, the top right, the top left, bottom right, and the bottom left, there's these lugs that have um, you know indents into them. So you could be like any other stupid jewelry store on the face of the earth. And just sell that watch out. I've seen it in the big box stores all over the place. But Steve takes the time and the care to set himself apart. How? He's got an in-house customizing lady that is going to go in and paint the inside of those lugs the same color as uh, the red on the second hand and on the, uh, the hour switches on the face. Completely customizing this watch. You can do it to any color. He's that versatile. Look. Do yourself a favor. Visit the website, stephendefranco.com, or call them, 440-943-2700, and say, hey, Steve, I want the same watch that Rampy got. I want the same red lugs, and I want the same $325 or whatever price it is that he got. Well off what the normal schmucks would pay. But you got to call them. Stick around. We'll be right back. Big name interviews. Advice on cooking brisket and ribs. And the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue, it's the Barbecue Central Show. All right, Lana, I ran a little long with that, Reed. I apologize. Uh, while we're here, feasting on the wrap-up, thanks to Stan Hayes for joining me last segment, talking about Operation Barbecue Relief, OperationBBQRelief.org. Get a lot of props in the chat room right now. Uh, you want to you want to prop them up? Donate. I'm gonna donate. You better donate. Uh, I am remiss in my notes that I have right here, uh, right down here at the bottom. I had mentioned that the Three Eyes Barbecue uh, just won their seventh Grand Championship this past weekend. 
little, little, a little somebody else did too. Maybe you've heard about it. Sponsor of the show, Dave Bosco with the barbecue. Need seven? Need to see Dave down in the Jack Daniels with three eyes? Book it. Look, I don't want to say that the unveiling of the trading it in pound for pound and skid for skid injection plan from Butcher Barbecue has enabled Dave to get over the top to number seven. But it couldn't be mere coincidence, right? I don't know. You tell me. I do have a question for Dave. There's on the it's it's on the West Coast. There's a team called Butcher's Barbecue's Daughter or Daughter's Butcher's Daughter Barbecue or something. Is that any relation, Dave? Answer, we'll wait. Because I see that name, Butcher's Daughter Barbecue or something like that. I mean, there's no way that it's not related. Or we have a great lawsuit on our hands. I will represent you, Dave, otherwise. I will represent you, I swear. What? There's no relation? You know what I'm talking about, right? Now I gotta go right to the freaking site. Damn it. Look at this. I gotta go to the results. I gotta go to the results. Results, results. Uh, full results. Let me find the California one here. I'll show you. I'll show you. California. Chino. No. Chino. Wait, where was it? Dillard, Kansas, Jasper, Missouri. Uh, Vista. Check this out. I'm gonna punch it up here on the big board. Oh. Go to Skype. Right, uh, right here, number seven, butcher's butcher's daughter barbecue. No relation. Butcher's daughter barbecue, number seven. It's right there. See it? Oh boy, we've got a scandal on our hands, Dave. We've got a scandal. Butcher's daughter is Donna Fong who has a father in Alameda who is a butcher. I know she's a great gal, but Dave, let's do this. Lawsuit, lawsuit. We'll have millions. All right, uh, we're going to gear up for the barbecue chicken roundtable competition style. Stick around. We'll be right back after this. You're not going to want to miss it. Get your notes out, boys and girls. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Fine, how's it going? <laughs> you have a great show, I'm a big fan. So what 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 seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono! It's all about the Charbono, dude! Succulent fish, what? We ate fifty four wieners. Oh, listen, Laverne, it's shake space. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seeds. <laughs> you could use it to fight off creeping marauders looking to take your steaks off your grills. I just like being anywhere with junior, senior, and diva. Sounds like a whole other type of movie. <laughs> wow, yeah, really. <laughs> 
Keep it hot, keep it clean, keep it lubricated. We have top men working on it right now. Who? Top men. All right, folks, just like that, we're in the second hour. Holy crap, holy. Great first hour. If you missed it, you're going to have to go back and get it on podcast. It will be back. Don't forget, we have a new feed for the uh, Internet's podcast. New feed. It's a lot better. All went in with the sale of the form. Don't worry about it. I won't bore you if you don't bore me. All right, look. Uh, last week, we did the brisket roundtable. This week, we attempt to cover chicken with three of the best chicken cooks in the country via KCBS. Uh, joining me tonight, Bob Roberts from Two Old Men in a Grill, Dennis Keck from Four Smoking Butts, and Dan McGrath recently coronated to go down to Jack Daniels with our seventh grand championship this year. Guys, appreciate you joining me here tonight. Uh, before we get into the chicken cook whatnot, uh, why don't we go ahead around the table. We'll start with Bob and find out exactly what uh, everybody is cooking on. Uh, Bob, go ahead. Uh, yeah, we co- we cook on a stump uh, stretch smoker. Stump stretch, so that's uh, two people during the show that uh, use stretch smokers. The guy from uh, Lucky's Q uses a stretch smoker as well. Uh, you like that smoker a lot, Bob? I love it. I've got three of them, so <laughs> yeah, must like I em. really like them. Absolutely. Uh, Dan, what are you cooking on? We're cooking on a backwoods. Uh, solely a backwoods or a number of them? Yeah, a number of them. A number of them. We prefer our fat boy. We also have a competitor, and we have a party. Uh, but we use the competitor mostly. All right, and uh, rounding out the cooker question, Dennis, uh, what are you cooking on? We're actually, excuse me, we're actually cooking on a Rebel smoker. It's a new smoker out of uh, St. Louis Market area. Yes, now I've heard about that. Um, how, how, are you, how are you liking the smoke? Well, let's put it this way. We started using the smoker about 14 weeks ago, and um, we're here tonight. Now, what were you using prior? <laughs> we were actually using a uh, Backwoods two years ago. We went to a Spice Wine, and then we found um, this Rebel seemed to really do a good job, so we went to. All right. Now, and you're cooking everything on that Rebel? Actually, we are. We, um, we're cooking all four meat categories on there, starting at 4 in the morning, and um, two of the categories are coming off around nine ten o'clock, and the rest of it all goes on right at that time. All right, so uh, before we get into some of that uh, prep stuff that we're going to be talking about with chicken tonight, uh, Dennis, uh, let me go back with you. Do you use any type of an automatic pit temperature control device at all? Uh, we do use the Guru on there. All right. Uh, do you have the new uh, CyberQ Wi-Fi by chance? No, we're not that high. We're not that sci-fi Wi-Fi yet, but uh, <laughs> we use the Guru. All right, uh, Dan, you guys using any type of uh, auto pit? Yeah, we use the Barbecue Guru, and we do have the Wi-Fi. That's wow. actually our sponsor. Wow. Awesome. Uh, oddly enough, sponsor of mine, too. Uh, Bob, you using any type of automatic temperature control device? Oh, yes. We use the Guru. Cyber uh, Cyber Q Wi-Fi, Bob? No, no. We're not that advanced, and, uh, but <laughs> I can't figure out the Guru. Well, hey, I mean, as long as all three of my panel members, unannounced to me, are using a show sponsor, then uh, we're all happy and uh, as pigs and shit. All right, uh, so let's go ahead. Let me ask this uh, potentially controversial question, and we'll get into some of the prep stuff. We'll start with Dan McGrath here. Uh, Dan, do you have anything against allowing propane gas cookers or electric cookers into competitions at this point? Well, I, I do not, actually, personally. 
Um, I do not. If it, whatever cooker you use, you have to become proficient with it. So if you can get the same results I can get on propane, then, then more power to you. Dennis, what about you? I uh, just did all that answer. Easy enough. Uh, that, I mean, Bob. Uh, no, I'm i feel the same way. Is uh, bring what you can cook on. If you can beat me, fine. Dennis, let me ask you this: Given the fact that there are pellet cookers out there where you can pick a temperature and the auger system is going to feed it and keep it at that temperature, you have these barbecue guru units. Why do you think that KCBS remains? Uh, and the membership to a whole remains archaic and not letting in the other cookers on? Uh, politics. I'm not really sure, but, uh, you know, I, I feel it should be allowed. Dan, do you, you got to know your smoker. you got to know it. Dan, do you have any thought on, on why we're not letting everybody in at this point? I would probably say it's uh, steeped in in history. You know, uh, traditional barbecue is always cooked over wood and fire and coal, so probably has something along that line to do for him. Uh, Bob, do you have a, a thought on that as well before we go on to the prep cook? Well, yeah, well, I would think it would be from the, the history of the cooking the barbecue and trying to keep it, you know, old-fashioned old as much as it could. All right, so uh, here we go. We'll go ahead and we'll start getting into the prep stuff here. And, and I have uh, each one of your uh, pictures that I have uh, famously stolen off of Google Images here, so I'll try and put them up as you guys are talking. Uh, Dennis, we'll start with you. Uh, and this is uh, prep stuff, pre-cook events. Uh, do you have a particular brand of uh, chicken that you're using, or do you just go to the, the big box store or the grocery store and kind of grab whatever's there? No, we actually we actually use Springer Mountain Farms, and um, we find that chicken is very consistent, very nice. And uh, Dan, what about you guys? Uh, we actually grow our own chickens. Uh, Dan Nixon has a big chicken farm out in the back of his house. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, we we do have a brand that we we prefer, um, but I myself remain silent on Mr. Witt's brand. Why you don't want to share with everybody? No, no. It's not like you guys just won your seventh grand championship. You're going to the Jack Daniels this year or anything like that. Yeah, indeed. Actually, it's it's not so much as a brand as it's a type of chicken um, that, that we prefer to use. So, Dennis, let me go back to you uh, real quick. Is uh, the brand that you're using, is that like an organic thing or not really have anything to do with that? No, it's like totally organic. Same, with, same way as a smart chicken. I mean, it's organic chicken, so it's a good chicken. It's just a good product. All right, uh, Dan, is your uh, is your chicken, like, uh, organic and no hormones or anything like that? Yeah, hormone-free, free-range chicken. All right, and then uh, we'll go to uh, Bob. Do you prefer or do you have a particular chicken purveyor that you're going to to, to grab your uh, chicken thighs? Oh, yes, we prefer the smart chicken. Smart chicken. All right, so I've never heard of the smart chicken. Is this something that has been around and a lot of the competitors are familiar with that? Well, in my area, there's quite a few using it now. Harris Teeter did is a, carries it, but we order it directly from the factory, and they ship it to us. But it's an air chilled, hormone free, organic chicken. All right. So, I mean, I would imagine, you know, given the the time that you guys have had into competition barbecue, and, and Bob, let me go back to you since I just ended with you. Was there a time when you used some other type of chicken, or has it always been this kind? No, no. We used to go to Walmart and, and <laughs> Sam's and pick up Tyson's and 
then back then we'd stick them on grills and just crisping up the skin. But now we got to work on that bite through skin, and these have just snow white skin on them that are thin, and we just, we don't have any problem with our bite through skin. Dan, were you guys using uh, local run of the mill chicken at some point too? Uh, yeah, we were. Uh, we had, we had started. We used to use Purdue. Um, and and we made the switch and, and just like your last guest said the, the thin white skin it makes the difference. And uh, Dennis, when you first started, uh, were you using Purdue chicken or some run of the mill, or has it always been uh, the brand that you've been using? No, we used in our area Schnook Fair. We used Purdue. We used uh, Walmart. We used everywhere. We'd go to two or three different grocery stores and got tired of it. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine that's a little bit of running around. Uh, all right, let me ask uh, this one question here before uh, we go to our first race, and then we'll have a, a long stretch of uh, pre-cooked talk. Uh, Dennis, we'll uh, stay with you since you just answered the last question. Have you only ever cooked thighs in competitions, or have you ever tried anything else in the past? Actually, we used legs at one point. We used legs and thighs. We came across, when we were cooking regular chicken, we did cook legs and thighs. We turned in six legs and six thighs and got a first place with it. Uh, it's never happened again, but it was uh, some small chicken, but it was really good. Is it something that you had tried yeah. to, to replicate after that particular event when you did so well and it just didn't work out for you again? Uh, it's a matter of finding six legs and six thighs that will lay out <laughs> flat in the box. Oh, I would imagine that could be an issue. Uh, Dan, has it always been thighs for, th- well, this is going to rhyme, Any? Uh, has it always been thighs for three eyes? Uh, no, we have tried everything from lollipops to breasts to wings to everything. So, um, And then with the jack coming up, you're going to have to do white and dark. So. And, uh, Bob, have, have you always used thighs in competition, uh, or have you switched it up from time to time? Well, we've always used thighs except one time, and that was last year to jack. And we had to cook that breast, and, boy, was that a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so evidently that didn't uh, turn out too well for you, but uh, we'll go ahead and uh, let me have you guys refresh your drinks real quick and uh, give me a couple minutes here and read uh, for a sponsor. We'll come back for the rest of the prep, and uh, we'll work into the cook as well. Uh, folks, I just mentioned him. Dave Bosca, Butcher Barbecue, just won his seventh grand, uh, and he will be going down to the uh, Jack Daniels as well. And I mentioned it also at the end of the first hour. Look, no other injection sauce rub maker is doing this in the marketplace right now. He's trying to not only satisfy his current customers, he's also trying to satisfy his competitors' customers as well. What do I mean by that? Well, perhaps you have bought another injection that hasn't worked out for you. Senior scores drop week after week. And now it's just sitting around collecting dust, probably never to be used again. What are you going to do? Well, before Dave came around, you're going to do nothing. He's just going to sit there and collect dust. Now you can trade it in pound for pound. All you have to do is go to ButcherBBQ.com and click the trade-in link. Once you get there, you fill out the form, you print it off, you seal up and trade, and mail it to Dave. He will send you back Butcher's Barbecue Beef or Pork or Prime Injection. Look, we all do it. Let's be honest. We spend money only to find out that the product is bad. Now the wife is pissed because you could have taken her out on the town instead of buying that stupid injection that isn't going to work. How many times have you been in that situation? You spend that money on a product when you realize that it isn't great. You're now in this pickle. You won't use it again, but it's too expensive to throw out. In the past, you were screwed, let's be honest, but not with a new trade-in program at Butcher Barbecue. Butchers will match it pound for pound. You have nothing to lose, only great products to gain, 
and they have been time-tested by many award-winning barbecue cooks. You know, like Dave Bosca from Butcher Barbecue. He wins with his stuff. Uh, Butchers will honor any commercially made product along with its uh, partial or complete label. Now, there is a limit to five pounds per item per household. All products will be weighed at the time of arrival, and that amount is final, deemed by Dave himself. If you have any questions, you can contact Dave directly via the Butcher Barbecue website, which is butcherbbq.com. The trade-in program is happening right now at butcherbbq.com. It's just one more way for you to trust your butcher, and uh, you want to take advantage of that while you can. Come back with more preparatory chicken cook with the panel, Bob Roberts, Dan McGrath, and Dennis Keck. Right after this, stick around. We'll be back in 10 seconds. Swear to God. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. All right, coming back, uh, just 13 past the hour. Bob Roberts, Dave McGrath, Dennis Keck joining me here for the Competition Chicken Roundtable. You guys appreciate you hanging with me through the break here. Uh, we'll go back to Dan here with this question. You know, when you look at the chicken, Dan, and obviously everybody here, you know, two years ago when I did the show, not everybody had their own stable of private chicken where they were going. A lot of people were still going to, you know, Sam's Club and all this other stuff. Uh, but, you know, when you're looking at the chicken for the people that just might be looking to get into competition, and if you can hearken back to those days, you know, what in particular were you looking for in in those thighs or those legs or those breasts or whatever? What was I looking for or what yes. am I looking for now? What, well, either or, I guess, if you're still looking. Okay. I guess when I first started, I used to look for big thighs. I, I felt that big thighs meant juicy meat. Um and then I could render it the, the fat out better. Now I actually look for a smaller thigh. I look for uniform size. Um, I make sure that there's no bruising on the skin that's visible or anything, um, and, and pieces that, that the skin actually covers the whole piece of the thigh. Um, so if I choose to trim it, I'll have skin there. Dennis, uh, what are you looking for in chicken? What do you like? When our chicken comes in, we like to see uh, uniform size again. And when we cook our chicken down, we make it look like thighs. We're not trying to make it look like cupcakes or anything like that. Um, I mean, I just want to see what a chicken thigh is. They want to taste chicken thigh, and that's what they want. Uh, Bob, what are you looking for when the chicken comes in? Well, we try to get the packs that are got the most uniform pieces in it so we can get them all about the same size so you know they look good in the box. And the biggest problem you run into with some of these chicken producers, I think they're using chainsaws to cut up the chicken now. So <laughs> it's just ragged stuff. So you, you really got to pick through it. All right, uh, Dennis, we'll go ahead uh, with you for this question. During a normal competition, it, and I would imagine at some point it might, it might vary depending on where you're at specifically, but on the whole, uh, how many chickens uh, or pieces of chicken are you cooking during a competition? We cook 24 thighs every week and uh, maybe 6 to 10 legs just to play with. And, and how many are eventually making into that turning box between 6 and 10, I would imagine? Normally 9. N- not that much? No, normally 9. Oh, normally 9. Okay, I got you. Um, 
more times than not, are you having that mix in there, or is it mostly just thighs making it in? Normally, we do the thighs. I mean, when you're running where we're running right now, you don't want to take a chance and put something in there you're not sure of. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bob, what about you? How many pieces are you turning it in a competition? I turn in six, but we cook 16. And uh, I pick out my six best ones and turn in. Uh, Dan, what about three ice? Uh, same here. We Generally, it's six six that we turn in, uh, unless they're exceptionally small, just to make the box look nice. But uh, we only cook about 12 to 16 pieces. All right. So when you are, and I guess this really gets to the heart of uh, preparatory, uh, and we'll go back to Dennis for this one. Uh, how do you how do you trim the chicken when you're getting that thigh? Uh, and I don't I don't even know if you're really doing any type of processing with the legs, uh, but if you are, uh, certainly like some insight to there. But as far as you know, the thighs are concerned, everybody has a little bit different spin on how they're getting uh, their thighs ready before they go into the cooker. Uh, how are you trimming it up? Quickly. I mean, I always, yeah, right. I always everybody hates <laughs> I always everybody hates chicken, and I pretty well trim our thighs out. We do twenty four thighs. We trim them out, get them all ready to go in 45 minutes or less. Are you a big believer in the whole, like, taking the skin off like a leaflet of a book and undersiding it with the the blade and getting all that stuff out underneath, or do you not even bother with that? No, with spare mountain forms, you do not need to do that. Uh, Dan, what about you guys? Uh, What's the the trimming process like? Well, there's actually a barbecue forum out there, another barbecue forum out there, uh, that I actually did a pictorial uh, on it. It's probably easier to to look at that chicken prep. Um, but basically, I'm just trimming off the little wings on, on the outside. If you flip it over, the bottom side, on the left and the right-hand side, the bone's going north and south. Uh, there's two little wingettes you would take off so that the skin can fold over um, and become a more uniform-looking piece. But it, if the pieces don't need it, you don't trim it. If they, you know what I mean? If they all look the same, you wouldn't want to take some off of one and make it smaller than the other one. Um, so we're looking for uniformity for the box. Now, are you doing, uh, I mentioned it with Dennis, uh, do you go underneath the skin and kind of scrape off like that, or is your producer not uh, allowing you, or does you don't have to do that with the producer you're using? We, we do not do that. Uh, fat is flavor, you know. I hear that. Uh, Bob, what about you guys for uh, trimming process? Uh, we basically do the same thing as, as Dan. Uh, you make them look uniform. You taper out your outside edges so when you roll them up and make a, you know, a uniform-looking little pillow out of them. And they hold their shape better that way. And as far as the skin, I've only done that one time, and it come out dry. So I leave that underneath it and let it render into the meat. All right, uh, Bob, we'll stay with you for this question. Uh, at any point during your prep, are you brining or uh, potentially are you even injecting uh, any of your chicken? Uh not really what you would call brining. I do put my rub on and let it sit for quite a few hours. But as far as putting it in a liquid salt brine, no, huh? And you're not injecting it? No. Dan, what about you guys at 3S? We, we do inject. Um, I don't put my rub on uh, too early because I don't want any of that moisture that's in the meat to come out from any of the salts that may be in any of the rubs, which... We haven't used our own, but um, I I don't want any. I don't want to lose any moisture out of my chicken, so we don't put that rub on too early. 
Now, are you injecting with something that is uh, like a homemade three eyes thing, or is it something that you can find available on the market these days? You can actually find it available on the market. We actually did it on on barbecue pitmasters when we did the turducken. Um, it's Campbell's chicken noodle soup. Um, everybody loves Campbell's chicken noodle soup, and just don't put the noodles in your chicken, and you're good. <laughs> yeah, that would probably be hard to inject as well. Uh, Dennis, you doing any type of yeah. uh, brining or injecting? We do both. We do both. Um, we do um, brining during the days, Friday, and then we inject in the morning on Saturday. Right. Now, uh, that's, that's all. Is your it's brine special stuff? Is your brine something that is like homemade to you guys? Uh, no, it is a commercial. All right. Uh, do you uh, care to share the commercial maker? Or? Uh, we actually use some Cosmos. Okay. And a little bit of our other stuff we use, we kind of mix it up, so it's not one set thing. And then is the injection something similar, or is that a, a completely different like uh, flavor profile deal? That's a totally different profile. All right. Now, is that something that you guys are making up, or is that also something you could find on the market these days? Uh, it's not on the market at all. Ah, so potential revenue stream for, uh, for smoking butts in the future, <laughs> huh? Selling, diamond, well, I don't know. selling diamonds uh, during the day and selling uh, chicken injection at night. You never know. Um, right. All right, so let me ask this question. This might seem completely out of line, uh, but uh, I asked it a couple years ago the last time we did a chicken roundtable, and uh, the question hit large on many different aspects. We'll start with Dan here. As far as, and this would only be for thighs, I would imagine. I could be wrong. Do you use uh, toothpicks to hold the skin in place, Dan, at all? Oh, jeez. <laughs> yes, I've used toothpicks to uh, to to hold my skin together and to form my chicken up. And the, the key to that is you have to actually count your toothpicks when you're removing them because if you don't, you end up with your DQ. And uh, I happen to get one of those in Bridgeton, New Jersey. Oh, no. Really? Yeah, uh, yeah, that was a beautiful thing. Oh, I can imagine. Uh, thank, thank God, Chris Chris Capel from Dizzy Pig was standing close by with a bottle of tequila, so it made everything better. But <laughs> better or numb, and uh, you know, one is probably just as good as the next. Uh, Bob, uh, we'll go to you. Mm -hmm. Do you guys use any type of toothpicks to keep that skin in place? Nope. We just shape them up, and we sort of stack them sort of tight in the pan. You take your two worst ones and put them on the outside to hold your good ones together, and once they cook, they'll hold that shape. You ever mess around with toothpicks at all or never? I have tried. We've tried floral pins. Uh, we've tried all kinds of things, but it just, I don't know. I just, I just didn't like that. Dennis, uh, toothpicks for, uh, for smoking butts. Uh, we tried that many years ago. We, we had some actual stainless steel toothpicks made. And uh, we love them, but we found we can do it without any kind of toothpicks. So that's one less thing to worry about, especially when you're doing your turn-in. So we do not use any kind of toothpicks whatsoever. Now, I do have one piece of information that I can actually pass along to you guys because nobody brought it up. If you're going to use the toothpicks, uh, don't, don't use, use the colored ones. Exactly, because they can leach out. Now you've got green inside that chicken. That is not a smoke ring. Uh, all right, so uh, we'll go to uh, Dan here. Um, now, look. Uh, aside from being a dynamically successful competition cooking team, Three Eyes also is a manufacturer of rub. Uh, are you using Three Eyes barbecue rub on the chicken, Dan? We use Three Eyes rub on absolutely everything we do. Honestly, God, straight up. All right, uh, Bob, are you using uh, rub on the chicken, and is it uh, homemade or commercial? Commercial ribs. 
Uh, anything that you would uh, care to share with us tonight? Well, it, I use the uh, uh, slabs, birds and bones. Yeah, slabs. And a little Cimarron docks. Gotcha. And, uh, Dennis, and that's the two I put together on there. All right. Uh, Dennis, uh, rub you use on your chicken. Well, we do use some smoking guns. Phil loves that. And we use some camera and docks. And we use some OBQ. And we use some slabs. So we use a little bit of everything. We get a lot of flavor profiles there. Uh, so are you using all of those all of the time? Or does it depend on, like, areas or regions that you're in where you might use one of more over the other? No, Johnny told us one time, do not ever change your flavor profiles for regions and just cook what you cook and do it the same over and over and over, and that's what we do. All right. Uh, now, some of us have already kind of alluded uh, to uh, this question, but we'll go back through it uh, one more time. We'll start with Dan. Uh, how far in advance are you rubbing uh, your chicken before it actually goes onto the cooker? Uh, we do it about a half hour in advance. Um, our, our rub is low in salt, but if you're using a commercial rub, that, that the first ingredient is salt. I mean, I, I don't know how many people, if you've ever put like a pork tenderloin in a, in a Ziploc bag and put some rub on it, left it overnight, you pull it out the next morning and there's this great marinade in the bottom of the bag that just disappeared. Well, that's all the moisture that you just pulled out of your meat that, that was already in there. And the whole idea is to keep your, your meat moist. So, um, the, I feel that the less time that you put that rub on, um, is better for you. Other guys, you know, they obviously they have great success doing it the other way, but that's what works for us. Dennis, uh, how far in advance are you rubbing that uh, chicken down again? Uh, normally one hour at the most. One hour at the most. Uh, similar concept as far as uh, what Dan is talking about then? or Yeah, I mean, we it gets the rub on it about an hour before, and, you know, you're starting to prep everything else down and ready to go, so... All right, and uh, Bob, I know you had mentioned it, but uh, if you could kind of refresh us on how far in advance you were rubbing the, the chicken. I generally put my rub on about nine hours before it goes wow. on the cooker. All right. Now, uh, Holy. Ha- have you had any issues with it not being moist or pulling the, the juice out, or is it pulling it out and then it's sucking it back in with nine hours? I mean, what's going on over there? Nope. When you take open up the pan, it's just as, it's just as dry as it can be. All right. But now I don't use a lot of rub now. <laughs> All right, so uh, that could uh, possibly be a part of it, and it, it might maybe it's not too salty as well. Uh, so nine yeah. hours in advance as far as rub is concerned. All right, uh, last part of the preparatory and uh, kind of a general question. We'll start with Dan. Uh, is there anything else that you are doing as far as chicken prep is concerned before it hits the cooker? No. Are you talking? Oh, okay. Go ahead. Bob, go ahead. Anything else that you're doing as far as uh, prep is concerned before it hits the cooker? Just putting some butter on it. And uh, how, how, like butter cold? Yeah, I put the butter on it just right before it goes in the cooker. I cook in pans. All right, gotcha. I'm and, lazy. You don't have to clean your cooker if you cook oh, in pans. I know, that's right. It's been the best thing I've ever found this year is cooking in pants. Uh, Dennis, uh, anything else as far as prep is concerned that you're doing before your, uh, the chicken hits the cooker? Uh, not really. Just looking on, on that lucky penny. Hope it hits again. Hope to see what the judge is like that day. You never know what the judge is like. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so now we go into the cooking session, uh, and we'll stay with Dennis here for this one. Uh, what kind of uh, wood are you using for smoke flavor? We use, um, basically, we're in the Rebel, it is a gravity-fed smoker, so we're using royal oak, lump charcoal, and then um, we do put in applewood, 
the Applewood smoke today. Love Applewood. Uh, Dan, uh, wood smoke? Uh, we like hickory and cherry for the color and the flavor. Okay. And uh, Bob, wood smoke for uh, flavor? We use a little bit of, on the chicken, we use a, just a little bit of hickory and mm-hmm. apple. Hickory and apple, all right. So uh, apple definitely uh, popular for chicken. Uh, Dan, we'll start with you on this one. Uh, what time are you putting your chicken in for your competition? Uh, into the cooker. Uh, right, right before we're putting it in um, is about that time. Right, right before it's going to be too late. That's when we put it in. Right before uh, it's going to be too late on turn it. <laughs> right, right before it's going to be too late. That's when we put our chicken off. <laughs> Not one minute early. Nice answer. Very good. <laughs> are you allotting a certain amount of time right, for that chicken to cook? Yeah, I, I was kind of trying to elude that a little bit. Um, we're right in the ten o'clockish area. All right, uh, Dennis, are, are you allotting a, a certain amount of time for that chicken to cook? Uh, we normally allot two hours for it. Two hours, all right. And uh, Bob, we go for two and a half. Two and a half. All right. So uh, this would obviously beg this question here uh, prior to us going into the next break: uh, What temperature are you keeping your pit at? And we'll go back to Bob for that. We cook at 275. Everything we cook, we cook at 275. All right, so pretty consistent across the board there. Uh, Dennis, where are you keeping the pit at temperature-wise? We're pretty well same, like 275. I mean, give or take 5, 10 degrees either way. And Dan? We're, we're at 275 degrees, too. Wow, all right. Uh, now, uh, given the chicken, was there ever a point where you were cooking – either at a much lower or a much higher temperature range, and uh, we'll go back to uh, Bob for that. One time I got my brand-new cooker, and the thermometer was off, <laughs> and I thought I was cooking at 275, and I was cooking at about 315. We was in Lakeland, Florida. <laughs> oh, wow. And we had petrified chicken. Oh, no, so it didn't turn out too well. <laughs> but that was a lesson learned. There you go. Uh, Dennis, did you ever cook at a higher or a lower temperature previous to landing on 275? Uh, yeah, we actually cooked about 400 degrees. Wow. We put the chicken on for about 15, 20 minutes, and it was done. How, how did that work wow. out for you? Um, last year we were in the top areas in case you got some chicken. It was just another thing to carry with us and another different kind of smoker we were using or griller, smoker, however you want to call it, but um, we decided to get away from it. Because of you wanted to see different results, I mean, that seems to be kind of a drastic temperature drop from 400 to, to 275. I mean, obviously it's working out for you, but what sparked the, the drop down in that? Some of the judges saying they didn't like to see grill marks on the chicken. Oh uh, you God. weren't truly smoking it. You were more <laughs> grilling it at a high temp and getting it done and I mean, that's, that's not true smoking, so. All right, well, that's a sore spot for me, but what do I know? Uh, Dan, did you guys ever <laughs> uh, mess around with uh, temperatures higher or lower than 275 at any point? Yeah, we've we've tried everything from high and low. Um, when we actually started, probably for the first two years, we were at about 225, um, and we just couldn't get, we you know, that rubbery skin. It just, just didn't happen for us, so. Up to 275 it goes. All right, uh, guys, uh, go ahead and uh, hang back here just for one more second while I go ahead and get this read in. And uh, this is going to be for, you know, not necessarily the competition folks. We do talk about classes here quite a bit on the show. 
But, you know, for the backyard hacks like me, if you want to take that barbecue to the next level, or perhaps you're a business person looking to get into the barbecue cooking business, uh, pitmaster Conrad Teddy Bear Haskins uh, uses his years of catering and restaurant experience combined with food science and smoking seekers to help you understand how to improve your barbecue. Backyard barbecuers and those folks who want to open a business drive and fly in from all over the world for the Institute's small, friendly, informative classes. The upcoming Barbecue 101 class will include uh, locations at Riverhead, New York, Dallas, and Houston, Texas. There's also a commercial barbecue class for those wanting to open their own business. And that's coming up at the Gator Pit Factory in Houston, Texas, using their approved commercial kitchen. Now, following the sold-out second annual Barbecue at McKinley Springs Winery plans are being made for 2013. They're already in the works for next year. The Barbecue Institute is planning on adding a two-day Dutch oven cooking class and a one-day butchering class on each side of that weekend. So it's almost like a week of barbecue succulents from start to finish. Now, you can learn the differences between cooking with charcoal and gas and logs and wood pellets. Look, let's be honest. They can all produce amazing results. Yet they all require a different route to get there with that end product. Learn the practical secrets and the food science on these methods to get the best results from each heat source. Conrad is the guy to do it. Now, we're not teaching classes on the weekends. Conrad is conducting private classes and corporate events from coast to coast during the week. He also founded OPBBQ.com in 2004 and still barbecues for troops and wounded warriors alike. To make your next off-site event really memorable, if you own a business, you want to treat your employees to the best barbecue that money can buy, have a Barbecue Institute off-site party. They will be talking about it for years to come. You will have happy employees. Remember, non-happy employees, they lead to uh, pilfering and the destruction of the bottom line, putting you into the red. We don't want that. Uh, for all details on all the Barbecue Institute classes, visit barbecueinstitute.com or you can check out our Facebook page. For the latest news and pictures, again, bbqinstitute.com. That's bbqinstitute.com. All right, we'll come back, finish up the cooking session. We'll get into post-cooks and, of course, the parting shot segment. After this, you're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. The Barbecue Chicken Roundtable is going on right now. Stick around. We'll be right back. Smoke. Call 877-448-0433 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, this is the uh, Competition Chicken Roundtable, 34 past the hour. About 26 minutes till 11 o'clock here. We're joined by Bob Roberts, 12 Minute to Grill, Dan McGrath, Three Eyes Barbecue, Dennis Keck, Four Smoking Butts, all uh, three of the top chicken cooks in KCBS right now if you need them. All right, so we'll go ahead and finish up with the cooking section here, guys. Um, oh, shit. Hit the wrong button. Apologize. Uh, what internal temperature are you shooting for to finish? Or perhaps, as I've been told by some other cooks, they're just putting it on for time only and they're not sticking, which I think is potentially a little dangerous. Uh, Bob, are you uh, shooting for a particular internal temperature? The only time I've ever checked it is when I burn it up. I bet I never checked the temperature. I cook on the timeline. So uh, why bother checking it if you've burnt it up? Don't you know it's finished at that point? Well, <laughs> I, 
<laughs> when I saw what I had out and tried to bite into it, I decided I was going to check, and it was 220 degrees. Now, I mean, at, at some point you were obviously checking for doneness. It just become so routine for you at a temperature and at a time you know it's going to be done and, and you don't have right. to worry about it anymore? It's 99.9% of the time it's there. Right, uh, Dan, uh, you, do, you, do you tempt your chicken uh, or you just cook on we time do. only? We do, but the, the, the problem is, is each, you know, if you're cooking different, if you're cooking a wing versus a drumlet versus a breast versus a thigh versus a drumstick, they all have their own temperatures at which they are done. Um, so if you're cooking a breast, you may want to pull that at, say, 152 degrees to carry for your, for your carryover heat. Yeah. Uh, if you're cooking your thigh, depending on how you like it, you may want to take that to 170 degrees. 180 degrees with whatever your bite is, is or your palate that you're looking for. Uh, uh, Dennis, are you, you turning drumheads? Dan, What's do you, that? Do you turn Dan, you're turning drumheads? Yeah. <laughs> okay, just check it. <laughs> uh, Dennis, are you uh, cooking uh, to a specific internal temperature, or you just uh, cook on timeline at this point? We kind of look at that. We, we kind of check it. But um, we cook to 175, 185, and it pretty well is always the same all the time. All right, so... Uh, you know, two hours of cooking. Two hours of cooking, and uh, at that temperature, you've pretty much uh, set a baseline for you for yourself at this point, right, Dennis? Yeah, you don't have to worry about blood. Let's put it that way. <laughs> all right. Uh, we'll go back to Dan for this question. Uh, are you setting a, a sauce or a glaze on the chicken prior to taking them off the cooker uh, for turn and box? Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. And do you use a, a specific kind of uh, like glaze sauce or is it straight barbecue sauce? And is it something that you're making or is it commercially available? Um, it's half what we make and half of a commercial product. Um, we'll, we'll yet to see what the Three Eyes product line has to offer. Right. Now, are, are, do, do you use a, a blues hog? Um, we have. Um, we, we don't currently. Uh, Dennis, are you setting any type of a glaze or putting on a sauce before you're taking it off the cooker? Oh, yeah. We, we take it on a smoker and we let it sit for about, well, actually, we take it off smoker and put sauce on it, then let it sit. But, um, and we are using a blues hog specialty sauce that's not on the market, and um, it's awesome. So there's a Blues Hog sauce that isn't on the market but is available for sale? No, it's not on the market. Gotcha. All right. So you're obviously doctoring it up double, a little bit. Double, double top secret. Double top secret. All right. So even more than top <laughs> secret. Uh, Bob, are you uh, setting any type of sauce or glaze before you're uh, taking it out of the cooker? Oh, yes. We use, we use the Blues Hog as a base, and we mix another sauce with it. And... Uh, we glaze it on for about 10 minutes before we take it out to put it in the box. All right, 10 minutes. Uh, Bob, well, let me stick with you here. Is there anything else during the cooking process uh, that you're doing that we haven't covered yet? Are you uh, foiling the chicken uh, or are you basting or mopping it during the cooking process or anything like that? Well, we cook it uncovered for an hour, and at the end of an hour, we cover it up for an hour so we can steam it. All right. Uh, Dan, anything else during the cooking process? Are you doing something similar to what Bob is doing or no? Um, yeah, we're doing it very similar. Um, it's actually a, a concrete method of cooking chicken. Um, so it works really well. 
And, uh, Dennis, anything else during the cooking process uh, that you're doing that we haven't mentioned tonight? I need a combination of both of what they're saying. All right, so uh, everybody is uh, doing some type of a steaming with the chicken, which I technically really haven't heard about uh, so far. But is that something that you, that, uh, you guys know? Is that kind of like common practice, Dennis, amongst uh, the chicken cooks out there? As far as steaming or? Yeah, covering up that chicken. Well, we don't cover our chicken, though. We cover our chicken in the refrigerator at night, but um, that's about it. Not during the cooking process? No, not right. at all. Gotcha. Uh, Dan, is this something that is, like, are you in the minority or the majority of people that are doing this? Uh, I believe we are in the majority. Uh, majority. For the most part, it was, I believe it was Mike Davis that, that, that first made it, you know, famous or more common. Um, but basically, it, it's a French style of cooking. It's called confit, where you actually cook it in fat. Um, so, it, halfway through, you'll cover it with foil, and then you'll back expose it back to smoke. Uh, Bob, do you know a lot of other cooks that are doing this as well, aside from you? Most all of them down this way that cook regularly, they do it. All right. Uh, so now we're done with the cooking process. We'll get into like getting that box and the, the post-cook events, if you will. Uh, we'll start with Dennis here. Uh, after it's done, do you allot a certain amount of time for the chicken to rest? Uh, if so, like how long you letting it hang out before uh, you get in that box? We normally let it sit about 10 to 15 minutes, and then um, I kind of back away from it, and the wife kind of takes over and puts them in the box. All right. Uh, Dan, uh, do you let that chicken hang? No, we try not to. No, absolutely not. So, I want as hot as I can, as early as I can, that I'm judges. And, uh, Bob, are you allotting any type of uh, rest time for that chicken? Nope. Straight out of the cooker in the box. All right, so we have two people that are doing it one way and one doing it uh, kind of a, a different way. So let me ask this question. Uh, you know, I've talked to a lot of pitmasters on the show after big wins or whatever the case may be, and one sticks out. Uh, that would be Melissa Cookston from Yazoo's Delta Q, who told me that especially, well, actually it was with all of her barbecue turn-ins, not necessarily known for winning a lot of KCBS events, but definitely a good cook, that she seasons her meat uh, or, or gets her flavor profiles from when the meat is, let's say, lukewarm or she's trying to um, emulate how the judges would be tasting it when she's putting her recipes together. Um, so putting it right off of the cooker and trying to get it as hot as it can, I guess, isn't necessarily keeping a, a common theme across because obviously it's going to be a little bit colder. Have you ever tried, Bob, to um, produce a product that is going to taste the same hot as it would lukewarm? Well, we we tasted it at a couple of different times. I try to wait till I think it's on the judge's table, and then I'll taste one of the pieces that I've got back at the trailer and to see, you know, about where I think it should fall. Dan, uh, similar to you then? Uh, well, actually, one of the things we teach in our barbecue classes is actually you need, if, if you're practicing your chicken, you need to go ahead and do your whatever you're doing to cook it to get to your end result. Put it in a box and let it sit for 15 minutes, at least 15 minutes, because if you get it in early hot, it's still going to sit on that table. It's going to go, it's got to go through, you know, the, the judges, the table captain, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so that's when you want to try your chicken. If you try it straight hot off the grill, it's absolutely going to have a different taste than what those judges are trying. Um, so we purposely practice that, try it, and then and, and adjust according to it. Uh, Dennis, is that something similar to why you're letting it uh, rest a little bit or not necessarily? 
Yeah, I mean, when we get it off at 11.30, quarter, 11.30, point to 12, it sits there on the hot, it sits on actually hot trays. So it is staying hot, and then we will uh, box it up. And as she takes it in, I'll taste the piece. When she gets back, she'll taste the piece. And I mean, we pretty well know what we got then. I mean, it's been 10, 15 minutes, and the chicken, when it hits the table, there normally goes in right away to the judges because they don't have to rotate the boxes. We know that, so... All right, so uh, Dennis, you're cooking, you know, X amount of pieces, and then you're turning in, you know, uh, I believe you said it was like nine pieces. How are you picking out those pieces that make it into the boxes? Strictly, you know, uniform and size and look and color. Yes, Dan, how are you picking out your uh, pieces? Uh, same thing. We we separate again. We're trying to start with the same size pieces. So once they're cooked, we'll pair them up as far as same sizes. We'll, we'll taste, you know, if we have larger ones, we'll taste those. We have smaller ones, we'll taste those. Uh, whichever ones seem to be the more preferred, that's the ones we're going to turn in. Um, so uh, that, that's basically how we do it. But we pair everything up by color, by size. Um, that way you, you know what you're turning in. It's, you know, obviously you can't taste every piece that you're going to put in the box, but if you have one that's similar in size, you at least know in the area of where you're at. And, uh, Bob, how are you t- uh, picking your chicken pieces out to turn it? Uh, it's, it's virtually the same way. We size them up. We try to get six or seven that's the same size, put these together, and then we figure out which ones we want to use. We check the color, if there's any blemishes on them. Sometimes the skin likes to blister. And, uh, you know, we just pick out our six prettiest ones and put in there. All right, so uh, let me ask you this question, and it sounds like everybody's kind of tasting their chicken, you know, 10, 15 minutes when they think the judges might be so you can kind of get a, a, an idea. Before you turn it in, and we'll start with Dennis, are you tasting it first and making any type of adjustment or no, not at that point? Uh, we have not been because we find our flavor profile has been right. Um, you're pretty well at a point of no return at that point. Dan, uh, doing any tasting prior at all, or no way? No, absolutely. Uh, we we taste it, you know. We adjust accordingly. Um, they're they're really, and you really are at that point locked into what you've got. I mean, your flavor profile has your flavor profile. Um, the, the the only thing you can do to adjust is is sprinkle some more rub on it. But if you do that, you you, you take a chance of putting like crystalline taste in, in, in a judge's mouth. Um, you know, a little sugar, whatever, salt, the granules in their mouth. Um, so you have to kind of be cautious, but. Yeah, if your chicken's hot enough, maybe it'll melt in a little bit. But um, you're, you, you know, other than a little bit of rub and some sauce, you're you're stuck with what you got. Uh, Bob, are you tasting before you're uh, turning it in at all? Not really. No, I've just you know our profile turns out about the same every time, and you know you like I said, you pretty well got what you got at that point in the game. All right. Uh, anything else you're doing uh, to the box aside from garnishing it before you you run it in, Dan? Uh, we take once we get our chicken in there, we grab it, we shake it up and down six or seven times <laughs> just for good luck. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, at that point, you know, sometimes we'll do parsley, sometimes we do green leaf, but uh, you know, it, it all depends on the day and how we feel and and, and whatever we got. So, uh, Dennis, anything else you're doing before uh, you're running it over to the tent? Uh, we're pretty well about the same thing. I mean, we, if we're running um, nine thighs in there, we just kind of decorate it up and make it look good, and you're hiding all the parsley, but you've got all the chicken there, and that's all they're seeing is chicken then. And uh, we'll finish that question with Bob. Anything that you're doing 
prior to running into the tent we haven't talked about already? Well, just basically the same. You put your chicken in, we go back and touch up our parsley. But one thing I think might be an advantage is to take your boxes out and let them come up to temperature for about 30 minutes before you're going to put your meat in it. That way you're not putting your hot meat right on that cold parsley. All right, so let me ask this question. I asked the panel members last week and was interested to, to get their take on it, so I might as well ask uh, some of the, the top three chicken cooks in the KCBS right now. We'll start with Dennis. You know, uh, this has to do with garnish. You know, it sits and it's always sat in this, uh, I call it uh, the, uh, what the hell you call it between uh, heaven he- heaven and hell. Um, there's a place, oh, uh, oh, I just had it. Where do you call that place? It's uh, Limbo. Purgatory. Purgatory. So it sits, purgatory. Yeah, it sits in this purgatory state of option. Now, look, I think we can all pretty much guarantee that uh, Bob Roberts, Dan McGrath, and Dennis Keck are not going to turn in a non-decorated box. Would you like to see <laughs> membership and the board and all this stuff either voted in as, yes, it's part, you have to do it, or voted out as, no, it's not allowed, versus keeping it in this optional state, which we all know if you want to win, you're not going to not decorate a box. Bob? Um, as far as whether they should use the parsley or not, like uh, I think it, it, I think they should that or get a artificial mat and put in there something to hold the chicken in place <laughs> and give them out with the boxes and everybody's the same, man. There you go. Uh, Dan, would you like to see uh, garnish voted in as mandatory or voted out? as you can't use it all together versus sitting in the optional state that it has been? Well, it, it you know, obviously, if if they voted it out, I would be pleased because that knocks like four hours of prep out of the way. Right. Um, if if they keep it in, that's fine. But, but if you're going to do it, nobody's, nobody's going to turn in a box without garnish in it. I mean, you eat with your eyes. I don't care. It leaves an impression on the judges. You, you know, if you want to be the, the outcast and, and um, stand, I got perfect chicken. I don't need garnish. I'll knock yourself out. But I'm telling you, they still eat with their eyes. It, it helps your appearance. And uh, we'll finish uh, with Dennis. Would you like to see it in as a mandatory thing or just vote it out altogether versus sitting as optional right now? No, I'm fully in agreement with what Dan says. I mean, obviously the judges are looking at it. When you open that box up, if it looks nice with that parsley around it. They're going to love it. But <laughs> as we know that as cooks, <clears throat> you, get some judges, you get some judges come in there and sit there and go, and that, that's my pet peeve is, you get nines across the board, you get one judge gives you seven on appearance, and it's like, where's the judge coming from? I mean, I don't understand it sometimes. But but that's why we do it. So so here's, I guess the reason I ask is because kind of your answer, you know, you're saying why you do it, but has has it become so commonplace and so, the, and so much of the answer being, well, you eat with your eyes first, but look, I mean, that's all you've ever seen is a garnish box. So if, if it right. wasn't there and it hasn't been there for the last 20 years, but it's still optional, I just have a, it just sits odd with me that, it, that something that everybody does isn't just part of the mandatory rules. Well, I mean, if you feel, though... Go ahead, Dan. If you feel that you want to, if you want to go ahead and turn it in without garnish on it, I mean, if you really have absolutely beautiful, perfect chicken... Knock yourself out. But yeah. under the current laws or bylaws of KCBS, 
that it is allowed to have garnish in there. It definitely augments the color. It, it makes the red stand out more. Yep. Um, it makes your chicken pop in the box. Um, if you just put it against a white background, yeah, you're still going to have that red hue, but it's not going to stand out. It's not going to be a contrasting color. Right. Um, so if if they leave it as is, as optional, everybody's still going to garnish. And maybe a couple new guys that, that don't really know the significance of it may not garnish, but anybody who's competed for more than probably six comps is definitely doing parsley or green leaf lettuce. So. Uh, any, uh, Dennis or Bob, do you have anything else to add to that before we move on? Well, but garnish actually can hide a lot of stuff. I mean, if you if you need a corner covered up the garnish, but could you imagine six pieces of chicken in a white styrofoam box and you walk 300 yards to turn in and they open that box and there's sauce done smeared all over the bottom of it? I mean, you know, it, that wouldn't be appealing to them. Dennis, anything? No, like I said, we're just totally for garnish. I mean, I like it. I like the way it looks. When you show people your pictures of your box, they're like, oh, my gosh, look at that. What, the, what were the judges thinking? They give you a seven? <laughs> All right, so we'll turn around. Last yeah. portion of the show, we call it the parting shot segment. So if you have anything you'd like to promote or say where you're going to be at or you got something to sell or whatever the case may be, go ahead and uh, let it all hang out here. Uh, we'll go to uh, Dennis Keck for Smoking Butts. Uh, I just want to promote, we do do, um, we do have a jewelry store, but we do, we're making up a ring right now for Big Mo. Everybody's going to see Big Mo in the next three, four weeks. He'll have a ring on size 16. It's going to be an awesome looking piece. And, um, the Rebel Smokers out here in St. Louis, they've, they've, it's a really nice smokers on the same concept as the stumps. But, um, other than that, um, we switched to Rebel and we've been hitting. So we love them. And, uh, the jewelry store is, that's, uh, keckjewelers.com, correct? Correct. And uh, like I said, uh, we can make any ring with your logo on it or whatever. All right. Uh, Bob, anything that you would like to promote or where you're going to be at next or anything like that? Well, one good thing, we're going to the Las Vegas Cook for the World Series Championships. Oh, yeah. And if there's any company out there that would like for us to fly their flag while we're out there, we could show you some help on the fuel getting out there. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, and we'll finish up with Dan McGrath, Three Eyes Barbecue. Okay, I got, I got two things. Number one, for the new cookers, the, 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 the guys that are just getting into comps or whatnot, or even guys that have been doing it for a while, if you take the extra three seconds to take a picture of your box right before you're closing it to turn it in, get your results, whether you're happy or sad, you're ready to kick the truck, whatever, <laughs> wait about two, three weeks, then look at them, and then honestly look at what that judge is telling you. Hey, it's a seven. And look at if you can objectively look at that picture, then then you'll get somewhere. You'll actually start to increase what you're doing. Second thing is threeeyesbbq.com. Stop by. We'll be at uh, Bel Air, Maryland next weekend. Uh, New Holland two weekends after that. Um, you know, stop by. Buy the rub. Check us out. All right. So we have uh, Bob Roberts from. Uh, two old men in a grill, Dan McGrath, Three Eyes Barbecue, Dennis Keck, Four Smoking Butts. Guys, uh, appreciate all the openness and uh, candor as far as chicken prep is concerned and continued success to each and every one of you guys. Thanks for coming on today. Thanks. Thanks you got it. There they are. Another successful round table in the books, if I do say so myself. Is there any way I'm going to get out on time? Kevin is going to sniper me all the way from Oviedo. All right, uh, quickly, let me tell you about Fred's Music and Barbecue. Look, unsavory businesses, we talk about it all the time. You know, I can do the read, but look, I know all about Fred. He's been a longtime sponsor of the show, and here's the bottom line. Uh, you want to deal with somebody that is reputable, 
that has stuff in stock and that is going to be able to ship it to you quickly and is fair in price. Look, I mean, you could sit there and scour the Internet for everything that's potentially cheap. And what's the bottom line here? You might find something, be able to put money down on it, but they just don't have the inventory because they're actually not able to buy it at that price. So now they're going to wait around, and once they get it, they might send it to you. That could be 10 years from now. You're screwed on the Internet. Not at Fred's Music and Barbecue. Everything they have is in the store. It's in stock. It's ready to ship to you promptly, and you're going to get it at a fair price. If you want to work a better price, call Fred. Tell him you're listening to the show. Tell him Rempy said that he's a businessman. You might want to work a special deal out. I mean, you never know. Fred's not looking to lose sales. But he's priced fairly. He's got the stuff in stock, and it ships out to you. Three of the things that I look for when I'm buying anything on the Internet. Do you have it? Is it priced fair? And is it going to ship to me at some point this year? Yes, yes, and yes. That's all at TastyLakesBBQ.com. Also, they have their own line of rubs and sauces as well. They're doing very well in the competition circuit. Fred has already won. Uh, Reserve Grand Champion this year. He's finished in the top 10 quite a bit uh, for a new team, so showing their wares. So you might want to try those sauces and rubs out as well. And they carry a full line of smokers, uh, the charcoal grills, the pellet-fed cookers, uh, those uh, smoke disc cookers like the Bradleys, their big green egg spurts. They're going to be having a brisket class uh, this upcoming weekend, I believe. So if you're in Chillington, Pennsylvania, look them up there. Do yourself a favor. Quit screwing around buying all your other barbecue stuff the accessories, the grills, the smokers from anywhere else on the internet, go to tastylicksbbq.com. Just let the confidence exude as you uh, keystroke in what you want. Send off your payment to Fred, and boom, that stuff will be there before you know it. And they will help you after the sale as well, just like the barbecue guru does. Uh, Fred Bernardo, the gang at tastylicksbbq.com. We will come back and wrap the show, and I'm going to be done at 11. Whether I like it or not, stick around. We'll be right back. Get in the smoke. Call 877-448-0433 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, uh, we are back. Coming up on 5735. And a great chicken roundtable. Hopefully you were able to get a lot of uh, information from that. I know I was. People are steaming chicken, confit, cooking chicken in fat. That's right, cooking chicken in what? Fat. 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 It's very popular. I love fat. Fat. Fat is flavor. Fat. No doubt about it. All right, there you go. Uh, we had Bob Roberts. We had Dennis Keck. We had Dan McGrath, three of the top chicken cooks in KCBS right now. Like it or not. Peace out, uh, Dave Bosco, number seven for you. Jack Daniels. Sponsor me down there. It'll be awesome. We'll have a party. We'll get you so drunk we'll throw up and you finish last. Uh, all right. Thanks to first guest, uh, Andy Rabinowitz. He bought my barbecue for him. We also had Justin McLawn, Lucky's Q, won the Sam's Club Regional this past weekend. We also had Stan Hayes talking about Operation Barbecue Relief. And then we had the Chicken Roundtable. Bob Roberts, Dan McGrath, and uh, Dennis Keck, respectively, on the panel. Uh, if you have raw cast iron... Season it each and every time when it starts to cool down. Scrape it off. Get a little pan, a little Crisco. Let those cast iron grill grates serve you for generations to come. Also, September 11, 2001. I will never forget. Huge show already for next week. Until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now.